Everybody suffers. So how can I pray for you? Welcome back to the everybodysuffers.com podcast. I'm Carl Brown, and my hope is that through this podcast, I can help you make sense out of suffering so that either you experience consolation or so that you can share consolation with others. Today's episode is about the woman at the well from the Gospel of John. And it's because I want to share with you the second promise of Our Lady of Sorrows. So we'll get into that. At first, this podcast episode is sponsored by Our Lady of Kibeho. Kibeho, Rwanda was the site of the most recent major church-approved apparition of Our Blessed Mother. She warned us of the Rwandan genocide of 1994, and she reintroduced the Seven Sorrows Rosary. Mary gave this warning more than 10 years before the genocide, which she confirmed by predicting the death and resurrection of three visionaries in Rwanda. And the warning she gave the people of Rwanda, she specifically said it was not just for Rwanda, but a warning for the whole world. So what will you do now? Will you pray the rosary every day as she asked? Or will you one day regret not having done enough to prevent what she warned us about? And the first seven episodes of this podcast are full recitations of the Seven Stars Rosary with a different set of intentions or reflections for each. So I invite you to listen to those. Let's pray to the Holy Spirit in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Lord, help me to say only what you want me to say, and to forget what you don't want me to say. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This episode is an example of the second promise of Our Lady of Sorrows, which is those who pray the Seven Sorrows devotion will be enlightened about the divine mysteries. And I want to share with you a view from Scripture that I think comes from me praying the Seven Sorrows Rosary. And it is a different view than what I've ever heard or read about. And this is from the woman at the well, the story of the woman at the well. And it's from the Gospel of John, chapter 4. So, in the past, I have looked at this passage as just an ordinary interaction between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And I think this is an important interaction within the Gospel of John. It fits the pattern of other interactions that Jesus has. For example, his interaction with the man born blind, Nicodemus, several other people. And there's a progression within each of those conversations. And the pro progression shows a growth in understanding. It might even be 
the pattern for discipleship. And the progression goes something like this. Who are you? And maybe they'll say his name. Who are you, Jesus? Or, hey man, you're just a man. And it becomes more like, excuse me, sir. <laughs> and another translation for sir would be Lord. In England, maybe they would say, Gavna. <laughs> then there's a trans transition to sort of a woe. You must be a prophet. And then, wait, <laughs> you're the Messiah. In other words, the conversation shows the reader how the person to which Jesus is speaking is growing in understanding about who Jesus is. But the best way to understand this story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman is to look at the overall context. Sometimes when we just hear a reading at Mass, we miss when a message is dependent upon a sequence of events, either what happened right before this passage or right after. For example, in Mark chapter 5, there's a woman who had been sick for 12 years and then there's a young girl who died at the age of 12. Those two stories are interrelated. They need to be read together, or you might miss the significance that Jesus can impact both young and old. There's also another interesting feature in Matthew's Gospel, where there's a narrative followed by a discourse, and that pattern is repeated five times. And the pattern is such that Matthew ends each discourse with the words, after Jesus finished saying these things, dot, 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 and then there's a narrative. This happens in Matthew 7, 28, Matthew 11, 1, 13, 53, 19, verse 1, and chapter 26, verse 1. And it's similar to the Psalms, which have five books there are five books of Psalms, and each ends with a doxology. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from all eternity and forever. So book one of the Psalms is chapters 1 through 41, then chapters 42 to 72, and 73 to 89, 90 to 106, and 107 to 150. But the, the point is, back to the story of the woman at the well, there seem to be three parts to the story. The first is the conversation between Jesus and the woman, and that's verses 4 through 28. Then there's the second part is a conversation between Jesus and the disciples, and that is verses 29 to 38. And the third is when the woman returns to the well with a group of people. And that is verses 39 through 42. Admittedly, that's pretty short. But sometimes at Mass we only hear the first and the third part, or other times we just hear the second part. And there's a fascinating insight by famous Catholic authors about what Jesus is revealing to this woman in the conversation, or in the first part of the three parts of the story. This is not what I'm going to share with you today, but I'm just saying that that some other people have observed an interesting multiple layers of meaning in this passage. For example, 
the Samaritans had been worshiping five gods. And the word for God in this context is Baal. And that word has a double meaning, which is husband. So there are multiple things going on when Jesus says, you have had five husbands and the man you are with now is not your husband. So for example, is Jesus saying the five gods that you have had are, are false gods and the God you're with now, which is Jesus, is not your God? Or does he mean you have been married, divorced five times and, and now you're living with a man that's not your husband? And the double meaning is significant, especially because they're at a well. And both Jacob of the Old Testament and Moses had significant interactions with women at a well, where they end up marrying the woman that they meet at the well. So Jacob meets Rachel, and Moses meets Zipporah. Don't worry, I'm not going to suggest that Jesus married this woman, the Samaritan woman, or that he married any other woman. But it's important to consider that in our prayer life, Jesus wants to espouse himself to us. The whole history of salvation can be seen as a courtship where God is pursuing our, our soul. He's a suitor to us as though we're a young woman. And you may be asking, Carl, what's the point you're trying to make? The point I'm making is based on the promise that Jesus makes to the woman at the well. He says to her in verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Then he says, he says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The whole purpose of this episode is to look at that interaction, that promise of Jesus, because the woman asks for that drink. She says, she says, give me this, this water uh, in verse 15, so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. And the central message is, did Jesus give her to drink of the living water? That's the central message of this episode. And it's the light from the Holy Spirit I feel that I got at one point in reading this. Did Jesus give her to drink of this living water? And of course, the answer must be yes, because Jesus is always true to his word. He said, if you ask, I will give. She asked, then when did he give? My question about did Jesus give the living water really brings us to the question, what is this living water? Some would say that the living water is baptism. After all, it's required for baptism that we use running water or living water. And it's true that baptism has eternal consequences. It leaves an indelible mark on our soul. No matter where a soul ends up, it has a mark of baptism. So did Jesus baptize her? 
the story does not say that he did. So what is this living water? It's also interesting to note that she left her water jug at the well when she went back to the village in verse 28. Having had five husbands, I don't suspect that she was receiving any alimony, and since the man she is with now is not her husband, I wonder how many material possessions she had. But the question still remains, did Jesus give her living water? And what is this living water? I don't think the living water is baptism in this case, but I think the, a clue to what the living water is comes from the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples in between the two encounters with this woman. First he talks to the woman, then she leaves and he talks to his disciples who had gone into town to buy food. Then she returns with other people. And the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples in the second part centers around evangelization. In verse 35, Jesus says, Do you not say in four months the harvest will be here? I tell you, look up and see, the fields are ripe for the harvest. And when the woman returns, she has brought others to Christ. And isn't that what evangelization is? Oh, that we could bring others to Christ. That's my goal. That's the purpose of my life. Matter of fact, that's the purpose of your life. Because Jesus says in the Great Commission at the Ascension, go and make disciples of all nations. He's speaking to those who have been baptized. And if you're listening to me, chances are pretty good you have been baptized. And you were made for this time. So you were made to evangelize. You were made to bring people to Christ. Now let's go back to the text and listen to one of the final lines from this section from the people from the village. In verse 42, someone from the village says, we no longer believe because of your word, speaking to the Samaritan woman, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is truly the savior of the world. Talk about a progression. It starts with, with Jesus saying, give me a drink. And she says, how can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? And it ends with, this is the savior of the world. If the living water were baptism, this woman could lose her soul still. But because she brings others to Christ, her work will yield fruit into eternity. And isn't this what Jesus spoke about with his disciples in the second part of the story? The bottom line of this story is that living water comes from evangelization. That's how I read it. Living water comes from sharing the gospel. Living water comes from bringing others to Christ. And that's water that lasts forever, <laughs> that we can never lose. I share this insight with you as proof of this promise from, G from Mary, Our Lady of Sorrows, that those who pray this devotion will be enlightened about the divine mysteries. This episode is one in what I hope is a few episodes sharing the surprising insights from Scripture that have come from praying the Seven Sorrows Rosary. 
yes, I have studied scripture and that's how I know there's five books in the Psalms and that there are five books within the Gospel of Matthew and that there are seven conversations in the Gospel of John that have a progression that lead to discipleship. But I don't have a degree in scriptural studies. I'm not a scripture scholar, but the insight I had in this episode of The Woman at the Well is a light from the Holy Spirit that came to me in prayer. I share this story with you to encourage you to pray the Seven Sorrows Rosary because you too will experience this promise from Mary that you'll be enlightened about the divine mysteries. And there's another important aspect of this encounter that is related to the the promises of Our Lady of Sorrows. The seventh promise of Our Lady is that those who share this devotion will be taken directly from earthly life to eternal happiness. And to me that sounds a lot like whoever drinks this water will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That's verse 14. In other words, when we, when we share the seven sorrows rosary, we're helping people to grow deeper in their faith. We're helping people to love Jesus through Mary. We're helping people to move from vocal prayer to meditative prayer. We are enrolling other people in a spiritual course where Mary is the teacher. We're signing people up to have Mary as their spiritual director. That's what happens when we share the seven sorrows rosary. In Matthew 25, Jesus says that heaven is reserved for people who care about enough other, other people enough to clothe the naked and feed the hungry. In other words, in Jesus's mind, if you, if you perform the corporal works of mercy, that is how Jesus will judge you and he will reward you for all eternity. And so my, my question is how much more Will Jesus reward you if, by sharing the seven sorrows rosary, you are caring for the eternal spiritual needs of those around you? This story from, from God, from the Gospel of John, is a reminder of these two promises of Our Lady of Sorrows. And to me, they're evidence that these promises from Mary are true and trustworthy much like Jesus' promise here is trustworthy. If you ask, I will give you to drink and you will never be thirsty again. Thank you for joining me in this podcast today. Who can you share this podcast with? I'm Carl Brown. This is the everybodysuffers.com podcast. After all, everybody suffers. So how can I pray for you? You can email me your prayer requests at Carl at everybodysuffers.com. Either way, I'm going to pray for you. If you're listening to this podcast or if you've attended one of our conferences or if you've read the book, something you can count on, I pray for you every night. My hope is that through this podcast, I can help you make sense out of suffering so that either you experience consolation or you, you can share consolation with others. Our Lady of Kibeho, pray for us. Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for us. God bless you. Have a great day.